Welcome back. It's This List Sucks. <laughs> I'm Mike. I was just echoing the song there. Yeah. I'm JB. Uh, I'm Riley. We have special guest Riley Rath special returning. Special guest Riley Rath. Our, our third returning guest. Fourth returning guest. Or as we like to call them, yeah. champions. So you're now a two-time champion. You're a two-time <laughs> champion nice. of This List Sucks. How does it feel? Pretty good. I bet it does. It looks, <laughs> it, it looks good on you. I have to say. Hmm. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> no, actually, so so when we so when the music was playing before the music started, it was where's Katie? Where's Katie? And so then, as soon as the theme song started, Katie came in, and literally, I wanted to open the show by saying, "Hey, JB, Katie's back." <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for letting me know she is back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we can all rest easy. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, welcome back to the show. It's Friday night again. Actually, it's the first one we've done on a Friday night in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> Mostly my fault, I think. I had a gig last Friday or Listen, something going on. But. Dude, giggery is never something to be ashamed of, and it always comes before. So, you know, we make adjustments. It's fine. What, just because some people work on Saturday mornings and they absolutely depend on our voices? It's fine. <laughs> they really do. Um, <laughs> or at least they enjoy them, and it eases their, their mornings, which... Never knew my voice would ease anybody's morning, so that's that's nice, I guess. <laughs> <clears throat> Usually, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's good to be back. It's good to all be in person. And Riley, it's wonderful to have you back again. Yeah, thanks for coming back on, Riley. We appreciate it. Who yeah, to be back. Yeah. So, um, without further ado, tomorrow is Record Store Day drop number two. It is. And so, if you're into records, go out and support your local record shop if they're participating in Record Store Day. JB, what are you going to get? Honestly, I have nothing on my radar. There was a lot that I had for the first drop, but for this one, there's just not a whole lot that I'm... Like, I'm even pulling up the list right now because I just want to see... There were a couple that I was, like, marginally interested in. Like, um, trying to remind myself, there's an Almond Brothers one that's coming out. I think that's later Almonds, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do think so too. There is there's a new Dr. John, or it's just a 50th anniversary edition of one of his records that he put out. Yep, saw that one. That one looks trippy. Looks kind of fun. Yeah. What What are you getting? I'm interested in Ani DeFranco. They're releasing her um, debut as a 30th anniversary re-re. Gotcha. So, um, I would love to pick up an Ani DeFranco. Um, I saw Dr. John... Um, oh, I would also like to pick up the DGs, which is that would be cool. Yeah, that's the um, the Foo Fighters covering all the BG songs on oh, it's one the DGs. side. Well, they they call themselves the DGs, and I think the name of the DGs record is, I think it's Nights in Satin or something like that. And they cover just they cover BG songs. Hmm. But I love Foo Fighters covers. Have you ever been to a Foo Fighters concert? No. Okay, so when we went and saw them up in Minneapolis, they literally, probably 75% into the show, they literally went on this run where they played three or four covers in a row. And after the first two, Dave Grohl literally looks around and he's like, well, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to like play our songs? Or do you want to keep this high school kegger rolling? And everybody started screaming. So then they played two more covers. And they were wonderful fucking covers. 
you know, they were all spun up Foo Fighters style. And so I kind of want to hear what these guys do with some fucking Bee Gees. I found the other thing that I was excited about. Was it Miles Davis? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah. But there's a John Prine live. There's a live John Prine and it's a, it's four, four LPs from what year? (sighs) 1975 so that's like <laughs> early john that would be that would be good I think I, honestly be, yeah, i, I think might get be that super solid there's a 50th anniversary edition of hot rocks by the stones oh i saw that one too there's a seven inch by saint vincent that would be interesting i have 45s wow yeah you don't do a lot of those Mm-mm. i mean i have some i actually have um old dirty bastard brooklyn zoo the entire record on 45s so it's like 1845s with each song, you know, one side per, like one song per side of each 45. Yeah. I'll probably just go down though and just see whatever people are trying to get and just steal it from them. You know? <laughs> like whichever one is really most popular, like the, I probably need that. You know? Would you, um, after you did that, would you then hang out outside the record store and, and offer to sell it. it for a slight markup? slight <laughs> do you know me mm. yes two times face only yeah <laughs> easy easy product like that yeah it's funny because it's i've done this before on record store day where i look at the drop information and i'm just like you know there's there's fucking nothing in here that that's even remotely exciting for me but then the closer that it gets to record store day I'll talk to people about it and then they'll say, well, I mean, there's this one thing. And then I'll instantly go, what the fuck? And I'll jump back out there. And before you know it, there's three or four things that I'm willing to go down and try to pick up. Yeah. So there's very, you know, very possible that that's what will happen with me too. We'll see. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, new music Friday too. Did you listen to anything? No, sure. Didn't John Mayer dropped a new record today. (laughs) Oh, I've listened, so I listened to the three singles that he released before today off of that record, and I really, really loved it. <laughs> you did like him, actually? <laughs> yeah, I did. Which ones did you listen to? So you listened to, did you listen to I Guess I Just Feel Like? Yes. Because that one's badass, actually. Yes. Like, I'm not sure that I actually care that much about the song itself. Like, it's pretty decent, but there's this whole outro section where he goes into this jam, and he plays some badass guitar on it. Nice. Yeah. I like John Mayer. I like, oh, yeah. like, I love the idea of poking fun at this genre. Yeah. What, what, what's the genre? Like, like a yacht rock type. Yacht rock, like dad rock dad almost. Rock yeah. almost fucking genre where it's just like unabashedly so. Does yeah. that make sense? That's the thing is like on this new record, he's basically, because <laughs> one of my complaints was like in, in the past with John Mayer, it's like I like his guitar playing, but... I don't like the lovey-dovey tunes that he does that are very, like, singer-songwritery. And he just, like, he I just doesn't those. give a fuck. He doesn't care at all. He's like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I feel like that's not just me. That's the, the, A lot of people kind of have that complaint. Um, yeah. And that's not really a complaint for me anymore. It was, I mean, with a couple tunes, like, Your Body is a Wonderland. I don't love that song, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you do, but songs like that. And uh, But he just doesn't give a shit. He's just going to keep doing whatever he wants. And that's what he should do. You know? I respect the shit out of that, right? Yeah, same. I mean, as an artist, he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this dad rock album and see how this shit goes. Right before I head back out with Dead and Company. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of Dead and Company, so I listened to the whole record today. There was like a couple 
songs where I was where I could tell that he's definitely kind of infusing some Jerry Licks in there. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a song called Wild Blue, and it's mostly like John Mayer bluesy licks. But every once in a while, I'll throw like a little little lick in there that you're like, that was sounded like Jerry Garcia right there. <laughs> like he's definitely rubbing off on him a little bit playing with Dead and Company. You know, nice. So it's a good one. Anything um, else? I didn't. There was a couple other. There's a new like Vince Staple rec- record, but I didn't listen to it at all. Okay, so I actually listened to that before the show last week, but I had only made it like in four in. 10 songs, 22 minutes. Mm. So it's ridiculously short, like really, really easy to get through. And so I probably made it through like the first six tracks while I was kind of just hanging out, waiting for the show to start. Um, but I didn't talk about it last week. I think I mentioned it, but we, but because I didn't get through the whole thing, I didn't have an opinion. And since then I've listened to it a couple of times. Dude, fucking love it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. If you're down with hip hop and if you like Vince Staples early stuff, like Vince Staples, um, what the hell was the name of his debut? Oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But if you if you enjoyed early Vin Staples, it's really really good. Nice, really good. So, but yeah, speaking of the John Mayer, so friend of the show Shane Parker, he was planning on getting the vinyl of that today, and he was like, "Where should I go to get that?" And I said, "I'd probably just go down to Vinyl Cup or, or you know or Marv's. That's where we go probably a lot, and you're probably the most and." They tend to have a good selection of new music. Especially you know? new, yeah. Yeah, especially Mars. I feel mm-hmm. like has a lot more new stuff than, than Vinyl Cup, maybe. Am I wrong in that? No. Yeah. So they kind of do focus on that. But anyways, he went down and was told that they had 100 copies that all sold out, mostly pre-order. So like, <laughs> so they got a, which is not what we expected. I was like pretty surprised by that. 100 copies the vinyl cup got already all sold out day one and they have another hundred that are coming next week so (laughs) are those also pre-sold i don't think they're all sold i think some of them are but not all of them are sold so wow he said come back down next week and hopefully you can snag one then but the cool thing was apparently five of these pre of these pre-sold vinyls were signed by john mayer like hand signed and did they know that no, they were going? No, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's just random. <laughs> wow. Kind of crazy. John Mayer. Yeah. Get it, buddy. Exactly. Get it. Fucking signing a handful of these records. And so me and Shane were talking about it today. We were kind of making this joke that like a lot of times people act like, like especially dudes, act like they don't like John Mayer that much, but really they're all just like closet John Mayer fans. <laughs> and they're like, that's why they're pre-ordering it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Acting like they don't. Keeping it on the DL. Yeah, exactly. By, by hitting that pre-order. Yeah, namely Lee Stamper probably pre-ordered that shit a long time ago. <laughs> he got his delivered to an alternate address. Yeah. He actually like, had it shipped I to I set Walgreens. up a P.O. box for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll only pre-order if there's no signature required <laughs> so that it can hit my P.O. box. Yep. I love it. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, anything else? I don't think so. I mean, Vince got anything to add, Ryan? Did you, did you check out any new music, Riley? I did not. Yeah. Tell me this. When, okay, so I think next week or maybe the week after is when Billie Eilish comes out. Based on what you felt about the album that appeared on this list, will you listen to the new Billie Eilish? Yes. I'll check it out. Seriously. Man. You won't listen to it? I mean, I'm going to end up listening to it, but it's just one of those things where it's like, 
Will I be able to approach it with an open mind? I don't know why. I'm, I have a fucking serious mental block against Billie Eilish. I feel like you kind of liked that one a little bit. I did. did you not? Just Listen, not being on the there, list, though. There were tons of tracks on. No, I actually, I'm, I mean, go back and listen to the episode, but I'm pretty sure that I said that I agree that it belongs on the list. I probably felt that it was too high just because of recency. Um, but no, I loved a lot of songs on that record. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I keep hearing that "Therefore I Am" song. That, it's that's a good song. To, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'm just getting a text right now. Um, apparently, Biz Marquis just passed away. No, not even kidding. Yeah. Really? Oh. Sorry to. Uh, I feel like we should mention that because this is kind of a music-based podcast, but uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But yeah, a friend of the show, Derek Danielson, just texted me. Yeah, Biz Marquis just passed away at 57. Dude. That's insane. <clears throat> that's young. Yeah, that's totally ridiculous. Sorry to put a damper on things, guys, but I feel like that was worth mentioning. Um. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course it's worth mentioning, but man, what a bummer. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> All right. So anyways, rest in peace, Biz. Rest in peace, Biz Marquis. Yeah, cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, baby, you. You got what I need. And you say he's just a friend. Were you there? uh, Side note, uh, I remember a really cool moment. Mike and I used to go to the same jujitsu school. Were you there that one day that it was like uh, that everybody started singing that out in the middle of, of class? Yes. Yeah. So that was a fun little memory related to Bismarck Key. Mm-hmm. It was just like a particularly tough day where we were just kind of we were do, rolling. doing all rolling and then it started playing and someone started singing. It might have been you, actually. <laughs> and then the whole, the whole room started singing along to that and it was, it was a cool moment. So It was fun. Yeah. It was fun to roll while you sing. <laughs> oh baby you <laughs> you got what i need yeah. good track yeah that was fun okay right. should we get back into it here yes please okay so recap recap for those just tuning in right now blind deaf and dumb you're like, like a child 39. wandering in the desert <laughs> you're like 39 <laughs> late <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 40 yeah but uh we are going through rolling stones list of the 500 greatest albums of all time Today, we are picking it up at number 325 and covering five records. And this was a hefty week. Dude. We got one record that was basically (laughs) the length of a normal week. Okay. (laughs) And then we had another one that was almost as long. So, yeah. yeah, A lot of listening this week, which is not not a complaint. It's a a good thing. Music is good. But uh, 325 is Jerry Lee Lewis, All Killer, No Filler, the anthology from 1993 was when this was released. Jerry Lee Lewis is best known for his frenzied piano pumping sun classics. Can barely get this out. (laughs) Like Great Balls of Fire and a whole lot of shaking going on. Cut in the late 50s before he derailed his success by marrying his 13-year-old cousin. Whoops. Because you have to mention that in the Mm -hmm. description. Yet his career as a country hit maker lasted decades. Listen to What's Made Milwaukee Famous Has Made a Loser Out of Me, and you might agree with the killer's characteristically self-deprecating claim that Elvis was the greatest, but I'm the best. Jerry Lee Lewis, guys. Thoughts? So does that imply that 
he continued to like be famous and make music after he married his 13 year old cousin. Oh, well after, well after almost his entire, almost his entire country career. Actually, I think his entire country career, um, which is like 65% of this anthology was after the marriage to the cousin. So first of all, Jerry Lee Lewis was married like eight fucking times, seven or eight times. And none of them lasted very long. One of them lasted like 21 years. And the rest of his marriages were like short-lived. One of them ended in the woman's death. And there's like murky circumstances around that even to this day. Okay. Mm. Uh, no one really, like he might have murdered her. Like literally. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asserting that. But there is definite speculation going on there. Did, are you seeing what I'm talking about, Mike? Well, I'm trying to, f- like I was hoping to just find a list. <laughs> Because there is a I list. Because I thought that he was married to his cousin for quite a long time. It was like 10 years. And then when they split up, I, I, I know where to find it. So I'll pull it up here because I was I was reading about it. So L- Lewis has been married seven. This is straight from Wikipedia. Holy Lewis shit. has been married seven times. He's had six children during his marriages. Um, so he, he married a woman when he was 16 years old. Uh, lasted for 20 months. Married again. Uh, not, not the same year that he divorced. So the next year after he married the first one, um, four years later, she filed for divorce and then his third marriage. So at this point he was, let me do a little mental math here. He was 21 married his 13 year old cousin. Okay. And that's correct. Um, then he married her again the next year because there was some legal issues there. And mm-hmm. so about 13 years later, yeah, she filed for divorce because of adultery and abuse and st- stated that she was subject to every type. This is a quote, every type of physical and mental abuse imaginable, which is doesn't that's that terrible. Yeah. Okay. And then his fourth marriage this is she, the downer episode. I know, yeah. We're going to get into his music here in just a minute. But uh, So his fourth marriage was uh, was ended because she drowned in a swimming pool. Okay. Oh, Jesus. And then, check this out. His fifth marriage lasted 77 days, ending with her death. What? Journalist, journalist Richard Ben Kramer alleged that Lewis abused her and may have been responsible for his for her death, but the allegations have never been verified. God damn! And then his sixth marriage was a happy twenty-one year marriage. So, oh. six times six times the charm. Eighty-four to oh five. Wow, she was willing to deal with a lot. Yeah, maybe he cleaned up his act. Maybe he was just a real charmer for twenty-one years. He was like, "Man, should I murder another woman?" No, fuck it. <laughs> I'll let this one live. <laughs> that seems weird, Sorry. though. I mean, two wo- two of his wives died. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and one Listen, with, but yeah, let's get into his music here. Let's get back to this record. What's in it? Um, all killer, no filler. Yeah. So there's no filler at all. Nope. No filler. It's all killer. It's all killer. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. That was not my interpretation. There. Yeah, I disagree strongly. With yeah. that. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we could have had like. Instead of a anthology, it could have just been like a single, and it could have been great balls of fire, and that's all we really needed. Whole lot of shaking going on. Yeah. Okay, that could have been the B side. 
That's you know? right. Yeah. That's right. Great Balls of Fire with a whole lot of shaking going on is a B-side. We call this one of the greatest albums of all time, and it's the only 45 on the list. Yeah. That's okay. I'm, I'm I would okay prefer it. Too. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, th- there was a lot on here, and a lot of it was country. Cause, so, th- he's definitely a talented musician. We're not going to skirt around that fact. Like, he's a fantastic piano player. There's some really, really good piano solos on this record. Did he, he play has, all the piano on that? He did, yeah. 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 He has a solid voice. His voice sounds really good. Maybe it's not Elvis's voice for those who are big Elvis voice vocal fans, but he has a good, good voice. He d- and he plays a variety of he plays two genres. He plays rock, which he basically helped invent. So yes. there's something to be said for that. Yep. I mean, he really helped shape that genre of music. And then he veered into country western after he had a little break, mainly due to his marrying of his 13 year old cousin. Yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. The one, the unique thing to me about this anthology is it gives you kind of this chronological timeline of his musical career because you you it starts off with like the rockabilly stuff and i really enjoy like the rockabilly piano the rockabilly songs that he was oh, doing yeah. early yeah. in his career like to me if he would have stayed in that lane man he would have been a he he would have been a killer you know like that, a whole lot of shaking going on is good shit oh great balls of fire great balls of fire is a great song yeah but he didn't write that song let's be clear that's no, a cover. No, no, no. Yeah. No. Well, I don't think he wrote any of the He wrote songs. A some, but, but okay, not did very Did he write many. some? He wrote like the second song on the record. Um, okay. I'm sure there were a couple more. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I don't think that there were a couple more because I was paying attention to those writing credits, and yeah. I don't remember seeing a writing credit one for him. I think, listen, I think the, the comparison between him and Elvis is really cogent. You know what I mean? Like it's it's such a great comparison because they were really cut from the same cloth. Elvis was in theory a guitar player. I don't know like how much guitar or how <laughs> in theory, yeah. Elvis really was at playing guitar, but Jerry Lee Lewis fucking smashes the piano. He's very very good piano player. No this, doubt about it. Yeah. This is the only other album that I think we can use the term glissando on, right? Cuz we had we had that debate one Alice day. Alice Coltrane. Oh, yes. Okay, so harp, piano, and trombones really are the only instruments that can do like a real... The glissando. Glissando, you know. But but there's also a part of me that kind of hates the fact that he does it to such an extreme, too. Because he does it all the time. All the, the time. big slide thing. All the time. And it's cool, but yeah, it's a lot of it. So, yeah, I'm just... Lo- so I'm looking through real quick just because I wanted to verify that I think you're pretty much right. Like... Okay, so there's one other song that says Lewis. I assume that's him. Um, two songs on the entire first side, which is 21 songs long. Does he have writing credits on? Um, you know, a little side note. There's a song on the next track that has writing credits by Shel Silverstein. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yep. Uh, okay, and that's it. So two on the first side. What? But we should also mention that some of these songs were, were not – not really covers because they were written for him for him yeah Correct. so that's a yeah. little different that's kind of how it was back in the day a lot of times they'd have a writer and then a performer he's a know? performer yeah yeah big time and a super super great performer at that i will say this i was pleasantly shocked at how much i loved his country stuff because i really did like it was super good really traditional country music and i think that he has a great voice for country music quite frankly it's perfect for it really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, I had very little complaints and there were some songs that I really, really loved, like on the countryside, um, 
No Headstone on My Grave is a song that I really fucking dug. On the countryside, so I liked I liked uh, the duet with his sister that he did, yep. which was Don't Let Me Cross Over. I, of course, I liked What what Made Milwaukee Famous uh, has made a loser out of me. That's a good one. Yeah, I put a couple stars next to that. One Minute Past Eternity was kind of a stick out for me. Mm, that one didn't stand out for me. Okay, and then so like I had two songs like a this, entire, this entire uh, anthology that I put more than three stars on. So great balls of fire, I put four stars on. It's just it's just an iconic song, you know. Like you can't not. <laughs> you don't like that song? No, I'm so sorry. I was rereading my notes on some other songs. Oh okay. Um, and then the other one was, please don't talk about me when I'm gone. That was number twenty seven, and that was like super fast paced country, like just yeah. blazing fast. I loved that song. Really, really good fiddle. Yep. Um, great walking bass line. A uh, little solo section. Actually, where he kind of passed it around, he did like a steel guitar solo, and then there was a piano solo. He was also letting his voice really go on that one, too. There's some grit to his voice yeah, on that one. Yeah, it wasn't really clean or anything. Like, he really, he pushed his voice in different areas. Yeah, what did you I think about that. this one, Riley? I really enjoyed the piano for the whole thing. I liked the rock and roll piano in the beginning, and then I liked, like, the honky-tonk piano. The honky-tonk piano was good. And that's the thing about, like, the piano tone. Like, you could tell... A couple times it almost sounded like it was like an upright piano on the country yeah. stuff. And it was, the t- the tone was fantastic. So, uh, Riley's a piano player. So that makes sense mm-hmm. that you really identified with that. What was the instrumental one on the first, uh, first side? That was just instrumental piano. one on the first side, uh, in the mood. Yeah. That was a good piano song. Mm. So that was actually like a big band That's era standard. standard. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Yep. Which I'm kind of confused by because it was basically just a straight up 12 bar blues. There wasn't even like a real identifiable melody to it. Yeah, no, sure there is. Come on. Mm. In the Mood has an identifiable melody. I'd have to hear it. it again. Maybe I just didn't pick it out that much on this version of it. Yeah, I think if you heard it in other areas, you'd be able to. Like, gotcha. there's definitely. Just definitely melody. Yeah, if you heard a big band do it, you'd be like, "Oh, fuck!" I'm sure because you have to. I mean, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it was too much Jerry Lee Lewis for me to listen to personally. Like, I'm not gonna like sit down and listen to this anthology again. No, but and there's songs that I wonder why in the fuck did they put this on the anthology, especially when you're calling it all killer, no filler. Especially when a lot of them sound very, very similar. Especially the country tunes. And again, I like the country, but. A lot of them are basically exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. 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 That basic like honky tonk piano that you would hear in like a Western movie saloon, like every single song was like that. Yep. Hundred percent. Dude, Meat Man might be the worst fucking song <laughs> I've ever I heard. In oh, my I think life, I gave that dude. a song. I gave it a star. Fuck you, you did. <laughs> I did. I gave it one star. No, you did it not. It had horns. You like horns? Oh, for fuck's sake, dude! It was a song about eating meat. No, the reason that I gave that one a star is because of the bass. There's a really, really good bass guitar line. In fact, he was playing solos. <laughs> Did you not make any note about that? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> you should probably go back and listen to the Meat Man again. All right. I mean, actually, I really don't want to, though. Like, my notes on it are terrible. Read it. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you don't want to read it? No. We can change really. the subject. All right. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. I was out on it. Not a Meat Man fan. Nope. Neither is Riley. Mm-mm. All right. 
Uh, what are you going to do with this? You did not add this to digital. <laughs> if you did, I would punch you right in the <laughs> fucking mouth. Um, I did not add it to digital. I uh, am. Did you add it to digital? I did not. I'm going to run away from it if I see it in a record store. If I see it in a record <laughs> store, I'm going to ask them if they have a 45 with great balls of fire on one side and then a whole lot of shaking going on on the other. And if they have that, I'm going to buy it. I would just go watch Top Gun if I wanted to hear great balls of fire. Plus, and you, you also get a better get version of it too. Yeah. You also what's the what's the song that they sing in the bar together? Oh, I don't remember. The Everly Brothers. What what song is it though? You never close your eyes anymore. What's the I chorus? Your lips. <laughs> You're trying hard not to show it, baby, cause baby, you know it. You've lost that love and feeling. That's what it was. That's what I was Whoa. looking for. Right? <laughs> that yes. was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good, Mike. Nice job on that. Okay, so uh, for me, I think that definitely, despite how much of like a piece of shit he kind of is, um, personally, you know, like just just based on the fact that maybe he had something to do with the death of one of his wives and maybe. how much he like abused his 13-year-old cousin wife. I mean, he's an undoubtedly impactful musician in American music. Like you cannot overlook that. You got to maybe separate that a little bit in your mind. I don't know if you can or not, but... I think I could a little bit. And, uh, I mean, he's a fantastic piano player. He's, he wrote a lot of good songs. He was very prolific as a country artist and helped shape rock and roll. I want him on the list, at least one entry. I, I don't need it to be an anthology necessarily. That's, yeah. So I'm, I want, I want him on here too, but I don't want an anthology ever for anybody. And I definitely don't want this on here. <laughs> it's way too much i mean literally let's let's narrow this down to 10 songs and that will actually be all killer no filler we plug that into the list you want to put it in at 325 all right um you want to plug it in at four and a quarter sure yeah you this know was actually I hear you. a lot higher on the uh original list it was it was, was like it really? 250 or something yeah, right 230 something. or something yeah it was high wow uh, we That's have a comment. Shocking. We have a comment from Charles Scott that says, "Sounds like he earned his nickname, the Killer." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to number three twenty-four. Released in two thousand and two, we are going to talk about Coldplay's album "A Rush of Blood to the Head." Rolling Stone says, "In the early two thousands, starry-eyed Britpop boys doing a cuddly version of Radiohead were dime a dozen." Remember Star Sailor? It was Coldplay's second album that showed they were true contenders. Songs like Green Eyes and The Scientist brought back the comforting melodies of Yellow, but the twinkling sonics suggested Prime Smiths or U2. And darker stuff, like the austerely beautiful Death Meditation Amsterdam and the OK Computer Worldly God Put a Smile on Your Face showed the group had more than arena anthems on its mind. What do you think, gentlemen? I'm glad that they said okay computer god to put a smile on your face because that's like literally what i wrote for that song i was like yeah it's radiohead <laughs> i think cuddly mm. version of radiohead is like a perfect way to describe cold you can't put it any better really <laughs> a cuddly version why is radiohead not cuddly though well it's like okay maybe that cuddly is not the right way maybe cuddly uh and yet refined polished almost scrubbed out of its entire 
essence version of Radiohead is what Coldplay is. A lame version of Radiohead. Oh. <laughs> All right. Are you, do you like Coldplay, Mike? I mean, I don't dislike Coldplay. Why would I dislike them? That's exactly right. Because why would you? Because it's ultra accessible. I mean, that's yeah. like, it's almost like it was made in a lab. <laughs> <laughs> It's not mystery music. Okay. <laughs> it's not mystery music, bro. It was concocted for the masses. Come on. So really? why would you not like it? Because yeah, I mean I sound that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh let's be clear. I don't hate this album by any means. Thank you. Um thank you. Because there's not this, a lot to hate. And honestly, I like I kind of feel the same way I feel kind of what I said. Like this is so some of this has like this the feel of like 90s alt rock a little bit okay but it's highly highly refined almost like to the point that it's like sterile you know like it's almost perfect like it like and it's good like the instrumentation is really good the vocals are literally perfect guy has like a like a perfect on paper type of voice doesn't get any better like but I don't know if I identify with it that much personally. Lyrically, you mean? Just all around. But specifically lyrically, like there's not a lot of humanity to his voice to me because it just sounds too perfect. I think sterile is a good way to describe it. Yeah. Hmm. I get why you would use those descriptive words, but all of those descriptions came with the butt of there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, meaning it's not bad. It's definitely not bad. Yeah. No, no part of me is saying that. Would you call it overproduced? No, actually. No. Actually no. So like hmm. listening through that was like a thought that I had a lot was that really I I expected that. I expected to think, "Oh, this is just like overproduced." It's more like it was just pigeonholed in the terms of the writing like it was it's very particular like they they clearly were going for a certain sound and they didn't stray super far from that except for maybe a couple times throughout the record yeah um but produce production wise like it's honestly fairly minimalist like more so than i expected and maybe that's just because of what my uh you know uh can't think of the word what my what, what i expected from it you know, I expected it to be overproduced, but it really wasn't that much. I mean, there's there's like piano on there. There's layers, but like on clocks. That's the one where I was just reading. Like there's layers, but not there's not too many layers. Like it's just, it's a nice piano. There's his vocals. There's the drums. There's not like unnecessary layers, in my opinion. Did you think it was overproduced? No, I loved it. Yeah. I love this record. It's fascinating, though, because everything you're describing to me would apply to Lana Del Rey. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's no flubs. Yeah. No, there's not. Shit, like, that album is, like, super austere in its production. It's almost, like, there was a part of me that wondered, was it so overproduced that it sounds like it's not overproduced? That it's just, that it comes off as, like, this subtle production quality? Like, she's going for this very particular sound, 
in yeah. every song that she does. Like her vocal delivery is always kind of pinpointed towards this one particular target. Yeah. No, it's not a not a bad comparison at all. I don't It's I don't just it's a fascinating juxtaposition given yeah. like their proximities on the list. Yeah. And it's funny because I think I feel about Lana Del Rey the way that you feel about Coldplay. Interesting. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I don't, um, I want to be super clear. I don't love all Coldplay. I love really, this record. I really love this one. This was actually the first time that I listened to Coldplay and I thought, wow, like this is a really good band. Like this is lyrically, I thought it was compelling. Um, I mean, his voice is really, really flawless. I get where I get where anybody could find that. I don't know, annoying or um, I don't know, not enjoyable. Like I get it, but at the same time, um, man, there's they're really good songs to me. There, there are good songs, and like just to be clear, I'm not trying to shit all over this record. Like I was never <laughs> at any point like bored. Like it's uh. Like, I liked it, but part of me was like, that's just because that's what they want. <laughs> you know? But I mean, that's like what, every, what everybody wants. But like, like, for example, the scientist. They're never trying to make you angry. That's for certain. No. Yeah. It's very, it's very accessible. Highly, highly accessible. Yeah. Um, and it's meant to just appeal to the masses, I think. And yeah. uh, like the song, The Scientist, it's very catchy. It's got a good hook on the chorus, good piano sound. But it's basically like a straightforward pop rock kind of ballad, like one of those lighter in the air in the arena kind of songs. Yeah. You know, done for the masses. I think Scientist is a good example because, like, Scientist is a good song. It has a great piano part, but, like, it just feels kind of like detached. Like, you, there's not really any, like, feeling behind it, is what I kind of get from Coldplay just in general. It's like they just wrote the songs just to like have the most mass appeal that they could. Hmm. I mean, yeah. whether or not it appeals to a ton of people or whether it only appeals to a fraction. I don't know. Man, that gets really weird, right? I mean, as an artist, like if that's what they want to do. Yeah, it just depends. Like for me, it comes down to what was the intention. Yeah. Was their intention to just appeal to the masses and make a bunch of money? Or was their intention to make what they wanted to make and it happens to be that kind of accessible stuff? We don't have a way of knowing that. Yeah. You know? I guess I always assume the latter. <clears throat> yeah. You know, then you're so an optimist. Yeah. Which is I am. good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I am super optimistic. Probably over these. Okay. So what do you guys want to I do am with too, this? Though. Uh, well, let's talk songs real quick. Like, okay. What, what, were, what songs were your. I love The Scientist. Um, I enjoyed Clocks. I really, really enjoy Green Eyes. Yeah, Green Eyes is good. I like Clocks a lot, too. Clocks was one of my favorites. Clocks is like, I feel like that piano line at the beginning of Clocks is what I think when I think Coldplay. Like, uh, you can sum up Coldplay to mm -hmm. me with the piano line at the beginning of Clocks. Um, what do you think of A Whisper? Um, I, I just wrote that it was a big divergence from the rest of the album. It totally was. I yeah. loved that one. That was my highest starred song. Really? I gave that song four stars. Wow. Wow. I just loved it. Just I think it, it was, was so different. It was like dark, and yeah. I loved like the verse in particular, and uh, really cool, like overdriven, ambient guitar. Mm hmm. 
Green Eyes, um, Green Eyes has such a catchy, accessible chorus, and I love it. Like, I love it lyrically. It's a lot of fun. Green Eyes is my favorite, probably. Yeah. Green Eyes is good. Yeah, Green Eyes is really good. And then I love <laughs> The Scientist. I really do. Like, Everybody it's loves such The a, Scientist. I, that doesn't make it bad, though, <laughs> uh, in I mean, and of it's, itself. It's such a good piano part. Yeah. But with green, so with green eyes, it kind of sums up how I feel about it. Cause like, I don't know, you guys just said it was your favorite, but so it was a, I wrote some good things that I liked. And then like the way I capped it off was I wrote fiercely decent, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of how I felt about it <laughs> or just kind of about the, uh, the whole album. But so um, what do you, so what are you going to do with this thing then? You I think we need one Coldplay album on the list. Uh, we need one Coldplay album on the list. Why and though? If they've always done the same thing, or is that not? So we your just argument? need one. Maybe your argument is they didn't do that on their debut because they couldn't. I mean, I don't know. When you're so like when you're me, so small, you can't intentionally appeal to just like hundreds of millions of people. So. I just feel like there's me, there's, for me personally, there's no way that these guys put two albums out that are worthy of being on the list of the best of all time. I agree. And maybe that's just because, because the other side of me is like, you know what? The best albums are the best albums. And if they put two of the best albums, like we're not going to just limit it just because they're Coldplay, you know, but there are there are so many bands in general that got fucking snubbed on this list that there are a ton of bands that you need to pare that shit down to one. And I would totally accept that with Coldplay. The problem that I have is that this might be the one that I chose over Parachutes. So the reason that I was thinking that that one has to be on here too is because we don't have a lot of the big hits. You know, we don't have like, I don't know what's on Parachutes, but we don't have Yellow. Yellows on. We don't have speed of sound. Is that on parachutes too? Yeah. We don't have fix you. Is that on parachutes too? <laughs> so parachutes is going to be on here then. Is yeah, what, exactly. Is what you're saying. And it's going to be really high too. <laughs> so we need one. Yeah, I would drop this one. Keep parachutes. See, I'm not. I know those three songs. I don't know the rest of parachutes, so I can't. I'm not even going to make an opinion. I'm not Spoiler even going to assert an opinion. I'm. Um, I mean, I don't want to ruin your listening experience, but um, the three songs that you know sound a whole lot like the rest of that record. So you think I would like this one more? No. I think you're going to dislike them both. <laughs> I think that you're going to know <laughs> more on Parachutes, and so you're going to say, yeah, this should probably be the one. I don't dislike yeah. it. I don't want you to think I dislike it, because I don't dislike it, but I just think it's a little packaged. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. And But I don't dislike packaged stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Like, that's not a turnoff for me. Gotcha. Like, I'm okay with package shit because Michael Jackson was packaged as fuck. That's pretty true. That's true. And I love Michael Jackson. Madonna was packaged as fuck. And all, and I love Madonna. Maybe I just don't like this version of packaged as much as I like those versions of packaged. I but will, I don't hate this. I do think that when you package a band versus package an individual singer there's a part of that that feels grosser to me. Yeah. And I don't know why, but like when you're talking about individual singers, like Whitney, Michael, Janet, like all any individual performer like that, 
of course they're packaged because they're typically not going to play with the same studio musicians. Like they're not going to play with the same producers, you know, different producers are going to make them sound different ways. They're performance artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to a band. And I don't want to feel like a band is just intentionally kind of packaged. So you don't, don't feel like this band's packaged or you feel like they are. And it just doesn't bother you that much. Cause you like the songs. Yes. Second one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even if they are packaged, I really don't care. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I don't just, hate you for I'm that gonna, at all. I'm going to try and recycle. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, any, any final thoughts? We should read Rex. Oh. He did email us about that. And while we're at it, we should read Rex's thoughts on Jerry Lee Lewis. You son of a bitch. Rex. Um, here, I'll pull it up. Loading, loading. You got it. Okay. You Jerry read, you read Jerry, I'll read Coldplay. So Rex says of Jerry Lee Lewis, love him or hate him, he was talent. He was a talented country musician. Some of my most favorite tracks are his later country music years. He helped usher in rock and roll era. You must appreciate that. But this collection is just tolerable. That's about it. To me, there's nothing special about this album. We're too close to 300 for just winging a random album out just to put the artist on the bullshit list. And that's what the selection feels like. Elvis was the greatest, but I'm the best. Jerry Lee Lewis. See, I kind of know what he's, he's right. saying. Like he said, just he said, <clears throat> winging a random album out just to put the artist. That's what it felt like. It felt, yeah. like, it felt like they were not putting yeah. this album on the list. They were putting Jerry Lee Lewis on the list. Well, you know? and I'm sure that the assumption was, well, how do we do that? Which album do we select? <clears throat> and they should yeah, have just yeah. selected fucking Great Balls of Fire and called it a day and selected his rockabilly shit, mm. which I think most people, well, that's not true. See, the problem was they wanted to represent both his rockabilly contribution and, and his, country his country career, you know? That's right. But either way. Yeah, just he has pick to one. Have like a smaller greatest hits, like a 10 song greatest hits. He has to. Yeah. Um, okay. Rex on Rush of Blood to the Head, Coldplay. Hmm. I think this is the first album I've listened to on this list that has a track that has over a billion listens on Spotify. Wow. Not only is that impressive, but their sophomore album is. Coldplay is an easy listening version of Radiohead. <laughs> I said what I said. I dig this album. Everything melds well together. Vocals, piano, melodies. See? But that's what you're saying, too. And I think Rex is probably... I think Rex would probably agree with you guys. If he was here, he'd probably wind up... Like, I think he would agree with the package argument. Yeah. Yeah. This is Oscar Mayer pop music. Yeah, that's what it is. But again, like I don't dislike it. Like I don't want you to think go away thinking I dislike Coldplay. Like I can listen to it, and if I went to a show, I'm sure it'd be super fun, you know. Yeah. But it's just no, it wouldn't be super fun. It'd be kind of a downer, and there'd be different parts in the show where you'd be like, uh, you'd get hit with the feels. Yeah, it'd be, maybe yeah, it'd be dumb. Whatever. But Fuck it's you, just Coldplay. It's a little too, yeah. You, you know what I said. Yeah. So you're going to, anyways, but you're going to drop it, plug in something else. Riley, are you going to drop it and plug in something else? Yeah. Cause parachutes appears elsewhere. I mean, if Fixie was on parachutes, it'll I'm not making a decision until I hear parachutes and we'll have time to talk about that again. Yeah. Cause I might say, you know what? I do like those three songs, but I like this better. We'll see. You know, there is at least 100 records that I would put on this list if you told me we'll keep parachutes and you can plug in whatever else you want under this instead list. of Russia blood. Yeah. But 
I really love this record. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't love this record because I really do love sure. this record. Yeah. But I would also be willing to sacrifice the fuck out of this thing for an easy 100 albums. You would straight up burn this album at the stake yeah. for 100 other albums. Yeah. yeah. I'd bury it with maggots. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 323. The Clash. Mm-hmm. Sandinista. Our first Clash from 1980. The Clash's ballooning ambition peaked with Sandinista. A three-album set named after the Nicaraguan revolutionary movement. Joe Strummer and Mick Jones reached beyond punk and reggae and into dub, R&B, Calypso, gospel, and even a kid's chorus on career opportunities, whatever crossed their minds. As Strummer said years later, even though it would have been better as a double album or a single album or an EP, who knows? The fact is that we recorded all that music in one spat at one moment in a three-week blast. For better or f- worse, that's the document. Okay, seriously, fuck you, Joe. <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, 18. Right? You could cut half of these fucking songs out, and it would be such a burner of a record. Dude, I think he should have kept going. <laughs> they should have just kept uh, doing whatever they wanted to. I'm going to let you guys go at each other on this. <laughs> well, we're not going to go at each other. I really enjoyed it. It's fine. It would have been a much better single record. You definitely could have trimmed some stuff off, but like, uh, I really like it just because it's the class just like doing whatever they want, you know? That's like super punk. I, I like that too. Um, although it was a lot to listen to, but... Uh, I, I like the idea that it was just, they weren't, they were just like, fuck it. We'll just record whatever we lay down and whatever comes out, comes out. It doesn't feel like, like they didn't sit down and they're like, all right, guys, we got to make a record and we got to make it, we got to make it a really, really accurate representation, concise of what we're doing. They were just like, let's just record all it all and just see what fucking happens. And then they were like, hey, let's just release all of it. And let's even sacrifice our royalties so we can charge less for it because they did that. Like the band didn't want to charge what the record company wanted to charge for a triple LP. So the band said, oh, just pay us less and you can just charge normal, which is cool. (laughs) That's super cool. Yeah. They actually wanted to make it a triple LP just because they were like pissed at their record company because they wanted to make London Calling a double album. And they got a lot of pushback on it. And then they released some other double album like right after that. That the they just did. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. It's long. It's a lot. If they were just going for making a concise record, they could have cut some of these out. Yeah. Yeah. If they would have tried to remake a London Calling. Yeah. Which is going to be, what do you think? Top 100? Easy. Top 50. Top 50, yeah. Top 50 yeah. you think so? London Calling is like. It what? might be. Dude, that might be 25. Oh, you taught 25? I, I just listened I just listened to it fucking today because I got it from that goddamn Amazon music thing. It's good I shit. I spun it today. That fucking record smashes. It smashes big and time. And the thing is, is this one does too. Yeah. I don't dislike this record. I want this record on this list. I probably want it higher than this because I love what The Clash does. The Clash is so fucking smart. They are super intelligent. Yeah. Like... The level of intelligence that you have to have to understand everything that's happening, particularly with the lyrics that are going on, get the fuck out of here. That's really good. Yeah. I love the dub. 
The dub is good. There's a lot of dub too. A ton of fucking dub. Speaking of dub, there's just so many different styles on this. There's Calypso music on there. (laughs) I I don't know if I realized how much reggae The Clash does, but there's a lot of it on here. Well, and that's where, like, that's where the question becomes, I mean... I'm assuming that you're calling all of those dub versions of all the songs like you're calling that reggae, right? No, no, no. there's reggae and there's dub on here. Oh, Seriously. Yeah. Um, so dub is like electronic reggae, basically. Dub came from reggae. Dub is like a style of music that was based on introducing electronic samples to to reggae. To reggae music. Yeah. Okay. So like, but there's yeah. some stuff on here that's just straight reggae, like Jungle a Partner. Couple. Yeah. Junko Partner, third track. That's not dub. All right. That's fair, just because of the instrumentation. Yeah, I mean, dub, I think for it to be dub, I think it has to have electronic. I don't even know if it's just synth. I think it has to be like heavily sampled electronic-based song. I could be wrong. Am I wrong? I don't know. Yeah. Do you know? (laughs) Does anybody know? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean... I don't know that there's like a textbook definition of dub music versus reggae music, but I'm going to look it up and see if I can find some answer for us. So, <laughs> so basically reggae is a form of music. I'm confused by that. Uh, that grew in the late sixties uses natural instruments. Uh, dub is an electronic style of music formed from reggae using electronic drums and sampled bass. So basically, so in theory, dub, it's all reggae. Yeah, it's all reggae, but dub is like electronic. Yeah, DJ reggae. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Then that's fair. Well, then there's no dub on here. Well, there's definitely like because it's all reggae. Then I think there's a couple tracks that like where they use some pretty heavily electronic parts and some sample parts. I'm trying to find out like my favorite was which one was the one where it's the other fucking song backwards. Uh, Is it Men's With Hill? Is that what it is? There's a version partner. Okay, so speaking of dub, thirty track thirty four is just a dub version of Junko Partner. So Junko, yes. th- th- so if you listen to those two, you can really, really get the difference between reggae and dub. Okay, because yeah, the I- third track on the album is Junko Partner, mm-hmm. which is a straight up reggae tune. Thirty four is a dub version of that same song. So mostly dubs are instrumental too. I think. Okay. Yeah. Because Silico- Silicone and Sapphire was a dub version of Washington Bullets. Yep. Uh, Living in Fame was the dub of If Music Could Talk. Yeah, a lot of these songs are dub versions of other songs on the record. Yeah. So someone went on a little dubby. Um, and then, okay, so... Uh, I love Charlie 11. Don't Surf. Holy shit, dude. Charlie Don't Surf is so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That had that, like, bass effect at the beginning. It sounded like... Fishes down with disease. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the phaser on the guitar, at least I wrote it down as a phaser. I thought that it was a phaser at the end of the song. Was I think you're crazy. right. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, tracks 11 and 12. So What's track 11 title? was One More Time, which started off as a reggae song, and then it turned into a disco song. Okay. But then 12 was called One More Dub. So it was like a dub version of track 11. Yeah. So I love them a lot both. of that. They yeah. Were really good. What were some of your favorite, favorite tunes other than those? Yeah. Either you Riley. 
What do you got? Um, my favorite is Washington Bullets. His favorite is Washington. He t- hexed me that <laughs> earlier. I knew that. Um, Fantastic song. Really, yeah. really, really good. I love it. I like it. Somebody Got Murdered. So good. I, I gave that, that one too. three stars. I um, gave it two. What's the immigration song? Immigrant song. I can't remember. That's that Zeppelin. I had to do it. Um, I'm, like look, Magnific- I'm looking through. I'll find it. Don't Magnificent worry. Seven is a great song. Hitsville yep. UK is a great song. I did not like Hitsville UK. That's the only, that might be the only song on this entire fucking triple LP that I didn't put a star next to. It's Where's that? Where's that? Like, what number is that? It's literally two. the second song. Yeah. It's very poppy for the Clash. God, I fucking hated it. It sounded like a gospel song to me. It was almost like soul. There were some gospel songs on there. Yeah. That was a duet with the guitarist and his girlfriend. I, th- yeah. I, I gave that one a star. It's I didn't. Okay. Um, I, didn't I loved know. Ivan Meets G.I. Joe. Love that Ivan Meets G.I. Joe. Yep. <laughs> Super catchy. Um, that's like house music, basically. Or like, yeah. a dis- like disco. An I, early I love, version of it. I love disco, like punk. That's a crazy good combination. You don't hear a lot of that. You no. know what I mean? I love the crooked beat. That's a good one. Did you um did you count that out? Like did you figure out what the fuck they were doing in terms of time signature? On Ivan? The crooked beat. No, the crooked beat. Crooked beat. Uh which track is that? Um one nine. Crooked beat. Um, I didn't write anything about it. So. God damn you! But I'll, I can I find out. Song, get back dude. to you. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see what you think in terms of time signature on it. So somebody got murdered. I loved that one. One more time. I loved that one. Let's go crazy. I liked that one a lot. Calypso yep. song. Yeah. Uh, the so- I wrote Caribbean vibe. Yeah, I think I think it means the same thing. Yeah. Um, the sound of sinners was a gospel jam. That's an interesting one. I gave that one four stars. Um, I did too. Did you really? Ooh, I did yeah. too. Yeah, loved that one. Good vibe there. Um, Those lyrics, dude. And that's good the lyrics. Fucking thing, man. The Clash. They fucking so intelligent. Yeah. Jesus, like frighteningly intelligent and incisive with their lyrics. I loved Washington Bullets. Okay, so let me tell you what my favorite song was, though. I loved the call up. I fucking <laughs> loved the call up. Oh wait, where was that? It's like so, sorry guys just so you know this tri- this uh, this album is 36 songs 36 long. That's songs. why we keep asking because we're like we have to like you know go to chapter 2 in our book here to find whatever. <laughs> what uh what uh which track is that? It's have, right before Washington Bullets. Yeah. Oh, 22. I love that one too. I yeah. gave that one a couple I wrote that I wasn't sure what to call that like genre wise. Like new wave, reggae, punk. The xylophone that they play on there really kind of fucks things up a little bit, but there's a lyric that literally made me think about the Dark Tower. What was it? It was a lyric where it says, "There, there is a rose that I want to live for." Ooh, <laughs> there's right. only one rose that you can live for. Yeah. Exactly, only um, one rose. There was the Marine Corps chant at the end of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one. One, two, three. So my four. very favorite song, though, I haven't mentioned Marine it yet. Corps. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. My very favorite song on this entire record is Version City. Which is a harmonica what? song. What? Number 31. I know. What the fuck are you <laughs> Which is crazy because it, it had a harmonica on it. Um, I wrote my personal favorite song, Despite the Harmonica. That song was 
probably the catchiest, most danceable groove the on the line, entire dude. record. And it was Don't a simple bass line. Just like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> It was so dun, good, dun, though. Dun. It's the vocals, like, Version City. I just loved everything about that song. It's so simple. It has two parts. Uh, each of the two parts really only have two chords to them, it, but it just feels so good. That one stuck out to me so much the first time. I was just like, damn, this feels amazing. Love it. So for me, go listen to Version City. It's 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 deep in the record. It's number thirty one. Yeah, I know. If it, listen, if I was gonna tell somebody to only listen to one song on this entire record out of thirty six, Riley, your answer would be Washington Bullets, right? Everyone should listen to Washington Bullets, man. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. I'm either Washington Bullets, Bullets or the Call Up. Honestly, Call Up is a good uh, song, and to I love to. the Call Up. You might as well listen to both. Because they're back-to-back. Yeah, they are back-to-back. What are you going to do with it in terms of placement? Um, Obviously, if I can find this triple LP, even on reissue, I'll I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. Um, Not too proud to beg. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of the Temptations anthology. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm leaving it where it is. Uh, I I like it where it's at. Are you good with it? Mm -hmm. I don't want to drop it down. But I know we have more Clash coming. What's the yeah. next Clash record that either of you want to see? Honestly, I know this one now, and I basically knew London Calling before. So I mean, London Calling will be high. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see Combat Rock. Oh, get the fuck out of here. We have to. <laughs> I mean... That has to be the next Clash. I think it would be on there. I'm not sure where it would be, but... That has, it has to be the next Should I clash. stay or should I go... I'm not at all intimately familiar with that record, so. Dude, Rock the Casbah? I mean, I know that song. Get the fuck out of here. I would be surprised if it wasn't on there. It makes sense that Rock the Casbah and Should I Stay or Should I Go are on the same record. Those are. I'm going to say say that we get Combat Rock. Combat Rock is next, and I'm going to say that we get it between 200 and 250. I think that's Like 100 north of here would be fitting. Yeah. And I think that London Calling will be the other one, and that'll be it for The Clash. Yes, probably. I'm with you on that. I'm so with, I, with that being said, I'm cool with where this one's at. What do you think, Mike? I'm good with it, too. Yeah. Like, if it yeah. moved up a little bit, I wouldn't be saddened by that. Yeah. Because honestly, like, if this is our, and this is this is our first delve into The Clash, it's a wild one, too, just because it's so fucking long and <laughs> and really loose. You know what I mean? Like, this is a super, super loose record. And when you think about how much material it is recorded over three fucking weeks, that's some wild shit. Yeah, agreed. Like really wild shit. So, um, but yeah, I'm cool with it where it's at. If it if it jumped up twenty to twenty five, I'd be cool with that too. You want to read Rex? Yeah. All right. Rexy Poo says that I ain't gonna lie on this one. Never listened to the Clash before. Stylistically, it seems that there is no other band that sounds like the Clash. That's Each true. song is their own song, and I don't know how to describe the sound coming off of this album. It's a good album. It's apparently that they have had their own cultural ref, um, re- relevance even today. This is kind of exciting. Like I'm excited for, I'm excited for Rex. Because when he gets to like more accessible Clash, and I think Combat Rock is more accessible than London Calling. That's probably their most accessible, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Just because it has so many fucking like really, really catchy 
good hits on there. And probably my favorite one is, um, is it straight to hell? Straight yeah, to hell is the right. sample that they, that MIA used in paper planes. On a way. Yes. I and when you realize listen, that, and when you listen to it, it's instantly recognizable. So the next that. time that you <laughs> listen to straight to hell, when you, when you hear that guitar, you're going to be like, Oh motherfucker. Cause it is, <laughs> it's paper planes, heart and soul. So, um, so yeah, Rex, I'm excited for you because as we move on, it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, you should listen to The Clash. Yes, absolutely. The Clash, listen, they're, and they are, it's funny because you said um, it, no other band sounds like The Clash. That That's is exactly. 100% correct. They do Nobody their own else. thing and it's great. Yeah. Always. Super, super unique. Okay, so moving on. The next record that we're going to talk about is number 322 on the list. It is the 1969 release from Elvis Presley entitled from Elvis in Memphis. Rolling Stone says, quote, I had to leave town for a little while. Elvis Presley sings on the first track along with his 1968 TV special. This record announced he was back with the help from a crack crew of Memphis musicians. Presley masterfully tackles quality material from country. I'm moving on gospel, long black limousine, soul, only the strong survive and pop any day now, as well as message songs in the ghetto the same sessions also yielded one of Presley's greatest singles, the towering pop soul masterpiece, Suspicious Minds. Dude, I'm glad that... They mentioned that. I'm yeah. glad that I talked with you about that. Yep. Did you listen to Suspicious Minds? Because it was not on the OG release. Where did you listen to it? Spotify. It was on then you Spotify. listened to it. Because you listened to... So your version was 16 songs long, am I correct? Mm -hmm. The yeah. OG version had 12 songs and it cut it off at... In, the, in ghetto, the ghetto, which is the last, okay. the last one on there, uh, on the OG release. But, but I think that that was the A and B side of the forty-five. Was, was suspicious minds, suspicious minds, along with in the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Every time I see the words in the and ghetto, all I can hear is Cartman. <laughs> I was going to say the Park singing in the ghetto. In the ghetto. <laughs> ghetto. <laughs> You're helpless. That's the thing. Yeah. You're literally, you're helpless at that point. You're just like some kind of physical being just responding. There's no thought to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean you. I just mean anybody. Yeah. It's my lizard brain. It's just like, in the ghetto. I mean, me too. I just mean anybody. How can you not, man? Like, so let's just get it right to it, right into it. I've never been crazy about it in the ghetto. Honestly, it's kind of cheesy to me. Um, it is. Definitely cheesy, right? Yeah. But, I was like, there's something to be said for that, for that point that like I wrote, try not singing the backup in the ghetto. Like when he sings in the ghetto, like literally physically try to resist from going in the ghetto. Like you can't, there's no way you can. Can I give you my manifesto on this album? Yeah. This is the penultimate Elvis fucking record. He's almost at the perfect age. Right, so he's just cut all these fucking movies about how he's like a World War II guy. He's in fucking Hawaii. He's doing this. He's doing everything because he's fucking Elvis. He gets done with that last movie, and then this is the record that he cuts. So this is Elvis. Like he's not super fucked up on drugs yet, right? His voice is like mature and full and big, and they put crazy fucking musicians behind him. Yeah. Dude, to me, yeah. this is the best version of Elvis 
that anybody could ever hope for. Which one are you saying is the ultimate thin one? Suspicious Minds. That's a record? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm saying you said pin no. ultimate, right? Oh, I meant, no, I meant the ultimate. You meant I'm the sorry. ultimate. Okay, you yes. gotcha. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is like, this is, this is the quintessential Elvis record. Okay, I see. Me. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Dude, this, I agree. This is the peak. Dude. I don't think it gets any better than this for Elvis. No. I really like, I kind of don't like Elvis because my grandfather is like super into Elvis and he has this Elvis jukebox in his basement that when I was a kid <laughs> and we would go over there for Christmas or whatever, my cousins would just play like the hits of Elvis over and over and over again on repeat. And I freaking hate it. And I didn't expect to like this freaking album. Hate it. And it was like amazing. It really surprised me. It's everything you fucking want. Yeah. Because his voice, and and mostly for me, it's his voice. The maturity, because the there is quality that. It's of his thicker. Voice. His voice is thicker than the, compared to the last one. You Dude, know what the, I mean? Yes, the last one he was. It was almost tinny. I'm sorry. I'm not urinating. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not peeing. Um. Anyway, his voice was like really tinny, and it was super young on the yeah. last record. You know, so on this one, he's still on a couple of the tracks. Does that annoying wavery thing to me? That Absolutely. version of vibrato that's like breathy vibrato, and I don't like it. I still don't that's like it here. Thing. But but the occurrences are fewer and far between. They're almost minimal. Like he, yeah. he he brings that shit in every once in a while, and I almost feel like that's the wink and the nod for the older ladies in the crowd that were there whenever he was doing it as a baby. Yeah. <laughs> And he's still... So when was that last one? Do you remember the year? 1956. He was 19 years old. So this is 13 years later. So he's 22 years old. 32 years old. 22 years old. 13 years after he was 19. Obviously, 19 (laughs) plus 13 is 22. Uh, 32 years old. Dude, 32, right? Yeah. So if you think about it like that, it's... Man, it is peak fucking Elvis. Like it's everything you could possibly. He's like want in his Elvis. prime. Yes, thirty-two. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than this. And the peak is Suspicious Minds. Yeah, it's got to be. But it's not even on the on the OG version. It's crazy that I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that that they decided not to put that on the original version. But that's you know? because that was released as a forty-five, as a B, as a B-side to the single. Not even a B-side. Like it was released as a standalone on its own. It was just released as a standalone single gotcha. and then they okay. tacked it on excuse me they tacked it on in r- later releases of this album because it was recorded at the same session like it was absolutely recorded at the same session it yeah. was just a different producer that did suspicious minds than, than the producer that had done some of the other tracks on the og release of gotcha. this record yeah i loved it too loved it what else did you like wait 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 i don't want to finish talking about suspicious okay we're minds still talking about suspicious minds. Yeah. keep going mike yeah the backup singers did you notice the backup singers? I think so. They're really good. I didn't write anything down about them in particular. I love the backup singers on this whole fucking album. But on that Seriously. one in particular. No, but on this whole album, these backup singers are fantastic. Suspicious Minds is special because the lead backup singer on Suspicious Minds is a woman by the name of Donna Jean Thatcher. I thought you were going to say Godshaw. Is that the same woman? <laughs> This feels like a Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) Yes, that is the same woman. 
Grateful Dead Donna. That every fucking dead not surprising. Fan actually, she was like super hate. involved with. <laughs> I know with this scene, dude. She was. She is the backup vocalist on Suspicious Minds. Didn't know that. Fuck you. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that is? Yeah, how did she get so much worse at singing when she was with the? Uh, I was about ah! to say the same thing, dude. Like, uh, she somehow didn't ruin that. She somehow didn't ruin Elvis. She ruined the dead, but dude, she beautified Elvis. Love it, love it, love it. Listen, when I when I fucking read that that was goddamn Grateful Dead Donna, I almost I almost flipped my lid on that one. So sorry. <laughs> we just got a comment. Uh, my mother is currently watching live. So everybody say yeah! hi. Everybody say hi to my mom. Hi, JB's mom. <laughs> Hi, Lori. She has a name. And it's Lori. Just kidding. Mike. Hi, Lori. <laughs> right. um, anyways, uh, that's crazy. Donna Jean on Suspicious Minds somehow didn't fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> w- what else did you guys like on this album, song wise? Only The Strongest Survive was my favorite. The only song I didn't like was the, uh, the Daddy's Tears song. Oh, that also wasn't too. on the OG. That, was that also terrible. wasn't on the OG, though. That was a terrible song. The baseline on Only the Strong Survive is ridiculously Dude, good. The band in general was great, but the bass was really good on yeah. this album. That was oh. kind of Motowny. It was. It was more soul. Yeah, it was very soul like. I like the first one a lot, honestly. Yeah, like, wearing that wearing that, that love don look, like it's pretty groovy. Wearing that love don look. Funky. Who's the guy? It kind of reminds me of like Tom Jones a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, his style. Yeah. He's got this one felt funkier though. Like, yeah, it's a little funkier. Definitely it felt funkier. Um, I loved uh, keeps right on a hurting. Which one is that? Country um, swing song from yeah, the fifth track. Yeah. It keeps right on hurting. Just a great uh, there was like, hook. There was like a chunk after the first couple of tracks where it kind of bled into this stuff where I like I liked it. I enjoyed it. I actually I actually added this digital because I'll fuck <laughs> dude, I'll fucking listen to the fuck out of this record. Nice. There you go. And if Good. I can find the vinyl, I would I'm telling you, this is the Elvis that you want to listen to. It's the perfect Elvis. Um, but there, like after the first two tracks, there were two or three songs in a row that just felt a little, I don't know, they weren't my favorite. Um, but then it picked back up again for me with, it keeps right on hurting and I'm moving on. So my favorite track was I moving on had by far the most stars for me. Um, in terms of the OG release, yeah, was I moving on? Uh, pedal steel. I'm a sucker for pedal steel. If you basically you put pedal steel, I'm gonna love it. Like, I know. It doesn't matter <laughs> what you even do with it. You just scratch on it. It doesn't matter. I'm still gonna like it. Um, and there was some like odd timing on that, and there were little bass guitar interludes. Like they would do a little bake, a little break, and it was like yes. the bass guitar, and I loved that one. Lots of um, guitar work on this record too was like subtly pretty really, legit, really yeah. good. But subtly is the right return for it because it was very restrained. It yeah. was very song serving. Uh, True love travels on a gravel road. I liked that, that one a lot song. too. Yeah. yeah one of the best hooks on the entire record. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to mention in the ghetto. Like I said, cheesy to me, not my favorite, but good luck trying not to, to sing that back. I really like in the ghetto. I feel like when this came out, it was kind of a message that like needed to be said, you know, here's the thing. It's a great fucking song, but when you hear Elvis saying those words, you're just like, okay, 
he's a little detached. But you gotta remember it. how he grew it's up, though. The messenger. No, but, he was poor as shit. Yeah, but by now, at this point, yeah, he's got he's like the richest guy fuck in the world. You money. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so listening to him sing this now, no, yeah. dude. If you were doing this like when you were coming up and you were doing it like with real feeling and stuff, goddamn, that'd be powerful. Yeah. Right now, no. Sorry, he dude. still came from there though. Um, that makes something. I, I think it's legit. I think it's just like a chickens very come from eggs, you know. Yeah, it's pretty legit. Chickens just like an egg. It's exactly the same. <laughs> That's sorry. a different situation. I'm such Mike. an asshole. <laughs> I think that. I mean, you can work out of a situation, and you can still retain some of the wisdom that you gained during that situation, right? That's true. Very true. All right, what do you want to do with this record? I wouldn't know. But um, uh, <laughs> I would probably. <laughs> um, <sighs> I want it higher than the other Elvis record, and I'm glad that it is. I want it significantly higher, though. Do you want it higher than it is now? Um, no, which means that I probably want to take the El- the other the Elvis other record down. Down. I don't want to take it off because early Elvis was really important. Yeah. It's like within the context of the evolution of music, early Elvis was really, really important. So I don't want to take it off, but dropping it 125 or more would be comfortable with me. I hear you. Riley? Do you think there will be more Elvis? No. You think this is it, huh? I think this is the pinnacle. I think this is like, I mean, I'm not familiar with Elvis's whole catalog, but I can't think of a way a record could be better than this from him. So I know. That's where I'm at, too. It just seems crazy, though, that this would be the last one. Okay, Elvis is like one of the most iconic American musical artists of all time. Like, if you were to make a list, sorry, let me, one thing real quick. If you were to make a list of, like, the top ten most iconic American musical artists, he would be on it. Yes. For sure. Yeah, Sorry, top go 10. Ahead and say what gonna say. Dude, he's definitely top 10. So, in like, music icons. I'd be surprised not to see at least one more. Here's the thing, though. He wasn't just a music icon. He was also a huge fucking movie star. Yeah. So this was a record that he did after he made, like, eight fucking films. Yeah. And for every single one of those films, he recorded a... A soundtrack. Yeah. Like, he was the soundtrack. So this this finished a 10-record deal for him, and the preceding records before this were, like, all fucking movie soundtracks. hmm So from that standpoint, I don't know that he has, like, this really deep... Catalog of... Music catalog that you would say, oh, like, this... Like, what are you, you going to fucking shove Blue Hawaii in there? Maybe they do. <laughs> no, fuck it, they don't. God damn it. Not with Suspicious Minds. Come on. Yeah, probably not. That was definitely... Suspicious Minds may have been his biggest hit. It just seems crazy, though, that like there wouldn't be one higher than this. Because this is not that high on the list. I mean, we're not even to the halfway point. What record yeah. do you think has Love Me Tender on it? And and is that like is that the is that the Elvis that we get? If we out. get if we get more Elvis. I could text my sister. Do you want me to text my sister? Uh, 
Or Derek can tell us. Well, it says that Derek that just gave me a really funny look. Google's telling me that Love Me Tender was released by Elvis in the year 2020. Mm, that so doesn't seem right. I don't think that that seems right. To Damn, me, dude. To me, at least. Yeah. How is his voice? Um, his voice is solid in 2020. Oh, that was that, that was on a. Uh, so that was on a movie soundtrack, dude. The movie Dune. was called Love Me Tender. Did you say Dune? <laughs> <laughs> it was on uh, the Two Towers. <laughs> but, 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 uh, no, it's a uh, no. It was it was from a, the same title, the movie. So that probably was on that. Probably not going to get that soundtrack on this list. Probably not. Yeah. No, I wouldn't think so. Anyway, <laughs> well, we are going to get Howard Shore's Two Towers soundtrack on this list guarantee it absolutely that should be on there. probably number one yeah i um if anybody ever finds this vinyl and you know me buy it for me and i'll pay you back i promise for this for the elvis yeah, yeah. fuck yeah i want this i want this vinyl yeah i would like it too i'd rather have a riri though i'd rather have a riri with suspicious a clean, minds a nice clean one that has those additional bonus tracks yeah. it's the bonus tracks because the og version would be cool because there's plenty of songs in the first part of this that I like and I would like to have on vinyl, but I really want Suspicious Minds. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Okay. Well, let's read Rex real quick. I'll do that. Yep. So Rex, uh, Rex Todd's thoughts on Elvis Presley. I haven't listened to anything from Elvis beyond his hits. This is a great album. Wearing that Love Down look is a great tune as well as almost every single track in all caps. Great album. Great jams. Love this one. Great spot on the list. Yeah, he's a fan. Boom. I'm okay. A fan too. Yeah. No, me too. The final track of the night, 321, is Lana Del Rey's Norman fucking Rockwell. <sighs> Lana Del Rey became a music blog sensation playing the poker faced millennial Nancy Sinatra on her debut single, Video Games. She kept growing as an artist and on her wonderfully titled sixth album, perfected her epic vision of doomed, decadent, 70s steeped California romance on songs like Mariner's Apartment Complex and the nine-minute crusher Venice Bitch. Del Rey dropped references to the Eagles and Graham Nash, merging her own music into the Laurel Canyon canon. No less an authority on 70s greatness than Elton John called the album songs timeless. That's a crazy description of this record. Especially the last part, like, and Elton, Elton John, John calling your songs timeless. Can you imagine like a greater affirmation to like write an album and Elton John says that shit is timeless. You'd be like, I retire. Do you think Bradley Knoll is like, I knew that shit was timeless. <laughs> Doing time. That's, that might be one of the best. That cover is up there with landslide by smashing pumpkins. Have you heard this? I thought you were going to say the Dixie chicks. No, but have you heard the Smashing Pumpkins cover of Landslide? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get to it soon. No, we won't. Well, not the Smashing Pumpkins cover, but... Yeah, definitely not. Because, like, Rumors... get it Not to do too much of a sidetrack. Rumors is going to be probably top 10. But we're definitely going to get the self-titled Fleetwood Mac. And I bet it's not so, top... Too. I bet it's not top 100. I bet it's top 200. So we'll probably get to it in a little, in a little while. That'd be awesome. Which has Landslide on it. So. Yeah. But we're not going to get to the Smash Your Pumpkins cover. 
No, definitely not. Yeah, but uh, but I loved her cover of "Doing Time." It was I mean, it really, was really good, man. Spot on. It dude. was it super was so faithful. It I was know. like she didn't do a whole lot. She basically the the drums were like electronic yep. as opposed to the original, which is like analog drums. Uh, super good though. I love it. Like yeah, loved it. I gave that one several stars, three to be exact. I don't know. Why I said several. I gave it many stars. Venice bitch is my favorite song on this record, and we can. I mean, we'll end up talking about that for a long time, but doing time. I want to make sure they said this right. Venice Bitch is the best song on the record. Doing Time is my favorite song on the record. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And we can talk about whichever one you want. But Doing Time is so fucking good. Riley didn't love Doing Time as much, right? Really? I thought it was okay. I just prefer Sublime. Listen, I do too, but... um, but man, I'm good with the way I'm See, like, I like her style on it. That's it's the hard really thing good. about a cover is like sometimes when you hear a cover, it just makes you think of the original. And that's for you, it way. sounds like that's what this did. You were just like, ah, you know, I'm hearing the original in my head. That's what I would hear. And that's kind of what I felt like when we listened to when we did our last Elvis record and we came across, uh, I got a woman. I was like, you know what? So literally the first time I did a cold listen, not to get too sidetracked on that first Elvis record, I got to the like third or fourth track, which was his cover of I Got a Woman. And I stopped listening and I switched over. I listened to Ray Charles for like 45 minutes because <laughs> I was like, you know what? I was like, I, I prefer Ray Charles's version so much that I'm just literally going to go to put that song on and then just shuffle wow. Ray Charles because I love Ray Charles. Um, but with this, I didn't feel that way. Like I, I loved this version. Um, it didn't make me wish, but for Riley, it did. I did that exact same thing. I listened to it and then I went and listened to, you went and listened to sublime. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to hear Bradley. I would have liked it a lot more if she would have like made it her own a little bit. Yeah. Cause she didn't really, like, like I said, it was pretty faithful. Yeah. Which I didn't hate. I, I liked that she, she kind of made, she did it in her own style. Like she sang, she didn't try to emulate his vocal, uh, nuances. She did it with the Lana style, but she did a good job. It was very faithful. It was pretty much like the original. Yeah. It's crazy because for me, it's really hard to do both. Yeah. If you're making a cover your own, you're almost never faithful. And yet if you're faithful, you're never, you're almost never making it your own. And this was like a perfect but balance. I feel like she did both. Yeah. Because her, her vocal delivery is so unique. But that's my biggest criticism of this album is there is no variation to her vocal delivery. She also does the, um, she does the talk sing, talk sing thing. And I fucking hate talk singing. <laughs> It's not my thing. I hate some people's versions of it, but I don't hate her version of it. And that's cool. I was okay with it. <clears throat> Maybe I just like her voice. I think her voice is kind of sexy. Her voice is great. My favorite, one of my favorite tracks is, which one was the one where she was talking about, which one was the one with the bathing suit? Where she's like, I'm going to take off my bathing that suit. Was, uh, that was the greatest. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Wait, no, no, no. That was the next best American record. 
I don't remember. It was one of those two. I don't remember either. Either the greatest or next best American record. It had to have been the next best American record, though. Because it had kind of that trip-hop feel leading into that. It um, was next best American record because it was like, I just want to party with you. (laughs) And it was like, taking off my bathing suit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking great song. I love that one, too. so many great songs on here. There are so many stars on my paper right here. Like, I wish. (laughs) So, the... the first three tracks, five, each one. No way, seriously. Really? I five, I, I fived each of them. Jesus. So Norman fucking Rockwell. That's insane. So first of all, just the very first line, and I was like showing this song to my girlfriend. I was like, just listen to this very first line. It's just like <laughs> one of the most beautiful melodies, Dude, like yeah. that. Goddamn man, child. When she goes down to that, I'm just like. <laughs> like it's it's an amazing melody. Dude, like I, it's so simple and it's so good. It's three chords. It's a one five four, in the Mixolydian key, and the way that she just does that, that the way that she just sings that. It's it's I love it. I did not know what to expect from this album at all. And that very first line of the piano, I was like totally in on it. She could have just great. done like "Goddamn Man Child" next song, and it would have been like five stars. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So how much do you attribute this to Lana Del Rey and how much do you attribute that to Jack Antonoff? So That's one of the inter- one of the things I wrote at the very off at the very bottom here was credit due just as much to Jack Antonoff. Yeah, it's at um, least fifty fifty. Because he played every instrument except for she played horns on the ninth song. Whatever it means. She just said Lana Del Rey horns. I don't know which horns she played. But she sung. And Jack played every other instrument. Well, with the exception of a couple little like like guest musicians. But yeah. by far he played acoustic guitar, he played bass, he played the electric guitar, he played the keyboards, he played the drums, like he produced it. <laughs> like yeah, Jack Antonov is a fucking treasure. Like, no doubt about it. Hugely involved with Taylor Swift. He was involved with the uh lord record that we did melodrama melodrama he yeah. was the other he was the producer for that that guy's amazing man <clears throat> like he's really he's good he's a wizard he's young too he's like he's like not much older than us and he's you know like, where he's prominent in is that movie about the sparks brothers he's in that yes sweet really prominently in that sweet as like yeah. a common commentator or yeah what? just a yeah. lot of interviews with him nice yeah which is fascinating it's a great documentary Definitely need to check that out. We probably should have talked about that at the top of the show. You watched it? Yeah. Is it already out? I thought it was you like can rent upcoming. It. You can rent it, but it costs you like 20 bucks. I'm going to do it. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> I didn't it's, know it was even available. It's worth the 20 bucks. Yeah. That's awesome. Go into your Apple TV. You can rent it. Okay. I will. Yep. It's a good one. Fucking totally fascinating, dude. <laughs> yeah, because that was like one of the biggest surprises for me and Mike early on yeah, this podcast. For sure. And I actually remember like the week before you and me were reading through like, you know, at the end of every single episode, we go through and we're like reading the next week's listening. <laughs> and I remember you made a comment. You were like, Sparks, we don't know what that is. And you asked me and I was like, yeah, I don't know what that is either. You're like, maybe it's our new favorite. And then we just, <laughs> we just kind of glossed over it. And we're just like, now we're still talking about it. Know. You know, Sparks, that's one of the good things about this podcast. It's a wonderful thing about this list, if nothing else. Yeah. And it makes, and it also makes me feel like a nerdish insider too, because listening to all these musicians, all the musicians, supposedly like amongst famous musicians, if you sit around and talk long enough, 
everybody knows about Sparks. And and we didn't now, but now we do. And that, but yeah, nobody knows about now. Sparks. No, exactly. Yeah. But we're insiders. If, you, if you're listening to this. You're in. And you want to be an insider. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> pull up Sparks. Just talk Kimono My House. Pull up Kimono My House and listen to it like six times. Have you and found that vinyl yet? No. You? God damn it, no. Well, I did. I found a Riri in um in Waterloo. Austin. Yeah. Um, but I didn't pick it up. I will next time. I'll pick it up too, maybe. Yeah. Buy if two of them. Too. If they have two, buy two. I know, because watching that documentary made me want to listen to that album so fucking bad. That album's amazing. I've listened to it. That's probably one of the ones I've revisited the most. Oh, jeez. It's so good. Okay. Uh, Back to Lana Del Rey. Yeah, we got to talk about Lana Del Rey. <laughs> Which I'm happy to do. So, yeah. Uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, the first track. Not the name of the album. Uh, Mariner's Apartment Complex and Venice Bitch. Five stars. All of them for me. Uh, Fuck it, I love you. Three stars. Doing time. Three stars. Love song. Two stars. Cinnamon girl. Two stars. Uh, How to disappear. I didn't put any stars on that one. Yeah. Uh, California. California. Three stars. Next best American record. Three stars. The greatest. Two stars. I'm just. I don't usually do this, but the reason I'm doing this is to show you how many fucking stars I wrote here. The bartender. Four stars. What? Get the fuck. Loved it. Loved it. I like bartender. Oh Why? man, I loved it. What I loved did you the like about chorus The bought me a truck in the middle of the night. I love that line. Great piano, um, good chorus, haunting track. Happiness is a butterfly. Two stars. Hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have, but I have it. First of all, it's the longest song title of all time. Yeah, it is. Uh, four stars. Man, four stars. After um, the next best American record, I got really chintzy. I did give the greatest one star, but I didn't start anything after that. No, yeah. I did. I did star. Hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have, but I have it. Just one. Yeah, I loved the lyrics on it. Yeah, no, that was like. Usually, I'm not that much of a lyrics guy, but I totally was on this album. The only song that wasn't for me like a lyrics driven um, song was Venice Bitch. And that fucking dude, that crazy jam that happens in the middle of that song is so. Um, it's funny because if you look this record up on um, Wikipedia, it it like it, at one point it has a moniker of psychedelia or psychedelia rock, and that's utter horseshit with the lone exception of Venice Bitch. Like Venice Bitch goes into wacky, wacky places. I don't know if I agree 100%. Like, Venice Bitch definitely is the most, but there were that like vibe that they put out at the end of Venice Bitch that comes up a couple other times, in my opinion. Like, uh, at the end of Mariner's apartment complex, there's like a whole uh, electric guitar outro, and yep. maybe you could see that as a lead into that one. So, That's what yeah, I did. You could do yeah. that. Um, I want to say there was another spot. Uh, how to disappear was pretty psychedelic. See, now you're getting to where I struggled. And that is that the back half of this record is really driven by piano ballads. There's a lot of piano ballads, which I don't dislike them. Her voice is really, really well suited for them. But I just, I get a little bit of fatigue when I feel like I'm getting, when I'm getting similar music over and over and over again. Yeah. I agree. I got really fatigued, even though I usually love piano. Maybe I have a weakness for Lana Del Rey because I totally agree that it got a little repetitive, but it didn't bother me. In fact, I was like eating it right up. I listened to this one 
the most of any record this week. Well, it's not like I sat there and listened to. I listened to Jerry Lee Lewis anthology four or five times through. <laughs> I actually did listen to it two times through all the way. Did Jesus, you? Man. Did you guys? Fuck no, not Jerry Lee Lewis. Because I got to do a cold listen and I got to do a notes listen. I only did a notes listen. I don't listen. make exceptions. Um, I only did a notes listen. That's good. I should have done that too. I did roll I did roll deuce through the clash though. I did too. And the yeah. clash the clash ended up being my most listened to record because I actually went back to that one two or three times. Not for the whole thing, but for chunks of it. Because again, if I were the producer on that motherfucker, <laughs> there would have been a lot of stuff left on the production floor. I would have cut the children's choir. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one? Not the little girl singing the guns of Brixton. No, that was a children's oh, choir. The career opportunities. Oh, children's yeah. Choir. Yeah, fuck off. Like, why? <laughs> but I listened to NFR here probably four or five times, and honestly, I'll continue. This is one I'll keep... I, I loved this one. Okay, so you added it to digital. I did. And you're going to buy the vinyl. Sure. If I find it, yeah, I'll buy it. It's out there. It exists. Yeah. And what are you going to do with it on this list? Are you going to move it up? No. Because you're ballsy? Nope. You're going to move it down. I am ball secretly hate it, but I'm going to leave it where it is. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Well, I think you've agreed with placement more this week than what you have with than, this list in usual. a long time. Yeah. 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 Maybe this Which list I don't doesn't hate. suck that bad this week. No, that's all right. <laughs> Except for Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I'm, listen, I... As much as I may have played um, counterfoil to any of you, I this is definitely the most listenable Lana Del Rey album that I've ever heard. Yeah. Which makes it probably the third Lana Del Rey album I've ever heard. You heard the one with Summertime Sadness. You would know that song. Even Maybe. if you don't know by name, you would know. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, wouldn't, but I wouldn't know by name, but I would know it. Either way, um, I'm going to call this like a... I'm going to call this like a four and a quarter job for me. I think it's about a hundred too high. And I it's think. only because she doesn't, she just doesn't have a lot of range for me when she's good. She's really, really good. But then she's her, which is fine. But I think she's, yeah. My argument is I think she's really, really good, but I'm not putting on this, putting this here on this list just because I think Lana Del Rey needs represented. Like, I think this is an amazing collection of songs. I think the songs are really well written. It's really well paced. Yes, there is a little bit of a slump with a lot of piano ballads, but she picks it back up at the end. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a great album. So I'm putting it, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it where it is personally. I'm good. I'm good with that. What are uh, you going to do? I'm kind of split. I think it should drop a little ways. Yeah. But not as much as Mike, but you don't want it to leave where no. I want to leave it. I mean, it has like no influence. Zero. This is 2019. Yeah. This is one of the newest That's records crazy. we've had. 2019. So, Ooh. fine line. Anything else? Wow. Was Melodrama 2019? Uh, Billie Eilish, yeah. 398. Where, she was where was Melodrama? 460. Yeah. How do you How do you know that? <laughs> that was crazy that you just knew that. Pretty good with numbers. <laughs> you should be. Yeah, I feel like I'm good with numbers too, but I didn't memorize the placement. Uh, um, anyways, uh, so melodrama though was that 2019? Or is that 2018? I thought it was 2018. 
Maybe even 2017. We're going to go with what you yeah. say. So, uh, Lana Del Rey. I'm not as good with years. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, Lana fun. Del Rey, Fine Line, and Billie Eilish are the three newest albums we've had thus far. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I would put a little closer to Billie Eilish, I think. You want Billie Eilish to be the highest? No, I would put I would put Lana Del Rey. Oh, you would put it closer to? A little gotcha. higher than Billie Eilish, but a little closer to it. Yeah, see, because I think I wanted to move Billie Eilish back to like below four fifty, and it wasn't we because it was at like four ninety nine. Yeah, I think I wanted her like closer to Harry Styles because just because Harry Styles was what four ninety seven, four ninety, I think. Probably right. I think it <laughs> might like, not be right. If you're gonna call an album from the last like five years one of the five hundred greatest albums of all time, it's, it's gotta be that's fucking, fucking amazing. amazing. Yeah, and that's and that's my beef with all of this. That's I my think this album's amazing too. though. I think it's amazing. It's definitely amazing, but like it hasn't really stood the test. It of time comes yet. it comes closer than either of the other two that we've heard. But then you run into the argument like, does it have to? Like, do you have to stand the test of time before it can get on here? Because then you're yes. not gonna put anything that's not Older than five, ten years on the list. You're just not going to put anything. You're just not going to put anything that's recent super, super high. That's all that means. Yeah. Right. If this was like 450, like. Nobody yeah. would argue with that. <laughs> Everybody would be like, well, yeah, of course. It's really, really good. Yeah. It's the 450th greatest album of all time. Well, listen to it, guys, and, and you know, let us number. know what you think. Like, yeah. send us an email at thislistsucks at gmail.com. Send us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thislistsucks. Let us know what you're thinking about this album and any other from this week. We'd love to hear your opinion. And if you send us a voice message on Anchor, we can play it on the episode here. As so long we as love that. As long as you're not racist. Don't say any racist shit. We don't stand no for that. Shit. Riley doesn't stand for that. <laughs> so, um, okay. So programming note. Um, I don't know. Pay attention to stuff. Yeah, we're about, gonna po- we'll post. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to postpone some stuff because I've had a death in the family that I got to do some traveling for, and so we're gonna we're gonna definitely postpone this next week. Um, but we should be back the week after that. And then, dude, then we have like serious logistical issues to talk about. Okay. Well, we'll we talk about that. Tour. We do. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it taken care of. We have multiple fish tours. Well, we can work around fish tour. Death in the family, that takes the forefront. So we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to deal with, no, that completely, that is more important than anything. We're going to take care of that. And then afterwards, we'll come back. But fish tour, we can work around fish tour. We will we will still do episodes, in my opinion. I don't know. Are you on the same page? Oh yeah. Okay. We're gonna work around fish tour a little Dude, bit. From location, possibly. It's, it's not going to be normal time, normal day necessarily. And it's not gonna be uploaded instantly. <laughs> but you'll get the episodes. Yes. You'll get the episodes. So Yeah. Stick with us a little bit. We appreciate you listening. Uh-huh. Thanks a lot, everybody. We do need to preview next week and we do need well, to read Rex's thoughts on Lana Del Rey. Okay. Let me hit Lana Del Rey and then you get ready for, for next the next week. show. Yeah. Okay. So Rex says about Lana Del Rey. Who is this now? Hmm. She seems to be popular. How? She has such a potty mouth on her. Damn. <laughs> this bitch talks like me. This album has an odd melancholy to it, or her voice does. It's her voice, Rex. Three of these albums have fucked me up this week. Two of them, I don't know how to describe of it. <laughs> or if, if even I, if I like them, even I if I like them, yeah, uh, this this is bullshit anyway. Yeah, I'm assuming that he doesn't. Well, 
I think he liked it. I think I he think he's it saying too. it fucked with his emotions. <laughs> Smokey, <laughs> don't play with my money. It's like playing with my emotions. <laughs> so sorry. I don't know why Friday popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's preview next episode. So okay. 320 is X, Los Angeles from 1980. Mm-hmm. At number 319, we're going to talk about The Stone Roses, uh, released from 1989, their self-titled release, The Stone Roses. 318 is Janet Jackson, the second entry, The Velvet Rope. That'll be fascinating. Uh, 317, Billie Holiday. What's up, Lady in Satin? 316 is The Who. Very close to the last Who record. Uh, the Who Sellout is the name of the album. And we will see you for the next episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, Riley, for joining us. Uh-huh. Glad to be on. <laughs> this was your second appearance, and you know you'll be back. So we'll see you then. Two, Two-time world champion. Yes, <laughs> world champion. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. This list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. It sucks.